Hallelujah. Good morning. Praise the Lord. As you might have gotten, uh, you may have, you may have picked up on. Um, we're going to be starting a series on worship. If you didn't pick up on that, we're going to have to figure out a way to wake some of these people up, CJ. But uh, I'm going to, I have the honor of starting us off and we just felt, I tell you what, I'm going to back up real quick before I get started. We're going to, I'm going to back up and say, how many of you guys were really blessed by the identity series? Amen. We really, we, feel, we really felt like God really blessed and he really did some tremendous things in our hearts and in our body. And we feel the same excitement for the series that we're about to begin on worship. Don't take those too far, brother. Praise God. So uh, I'm not going to uh, belabor it. Uh, we're just going to we're endeavoring to find the heart of God in this. Uh, I'm going to cover it from a little bit of a different angle than probably is uh, you've been used to. But uh, God is good anyways, right? Amen. Uh, bow your heads for a brief word of prayer. Father God, uh, we just submit this time of the word to you, Lord. Um, and ask that you be exalted and glorified above all else, Father God. Uh, guide my lips, Father. May I say what needs to be said and nothing more. May I do what needs to be done and nothing more. That we may all get exactly what you wanted us to get, exactly what we needed to receive. And that it may contribute to our developing a true heart of worship, that we might be among those true worshipers, Father God, that worship you in spirit and truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, doggone it, it's going to be a problem if I don't correct this. Those of you who have iPads or some form of tablet, The auto lock, you need to remember to change that before you get up here and preach. Just a tip. Now this may shock you all. It's somewhat, probably somewhat foreign and somewhat new uh, to our congregation. But uh, I'm going to cover worship from a relationship aspect. And that's not something we emphasize here. Just kidding. That's what we're all about here. Uh, our relationship with God. We want to, you know, exalt the Lord. We want to know him and make him known. Hallelujah. And, and we want to be among those that the world can see the way we love one another and know that God is in our midst. Amen? And we want the world to know the love of the Lord expressed through his body. Amen? So uh, I'm going to start today in First Chronicles 16, verses, uh, verse 23. And I chose for a title, A Worship in Pursuit of God's Heart. Worship in pursuit of God's heart. 
And I thought no one better than David to really uh, start off uh, the, the message with. And in First Chronicles 16, verse 23, it says, Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. Ascribe, it basically means to give, ascribe to the Lord all you families of, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Let's go New Testament, John chapter 4, verse 21. So we see David in the Old Testament challenging us to worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. In John chapter 4, starting at the 21st verse, we have Jesus saying to, saying to the woman, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. For God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. You know the word used here for worship is uh, proscunio. Meaning to kiss. Now, I wrestle with this. I'm going to, for full disclosure, uh, it says meaning to kiss like a dog licking his master's hand. And I almost didn't include that because I thought that might not go over well. But I got to thinking about, I'll read the whole verse, uh, the whole definition first. Meaning to kiss like a dog licking his master's hand, to fawn or crouch to. Literally or figuratively, to prostrate oneself in homage. To do reverence to, to adore. That's what God means when he says worship. That's what it means here. He wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth. And I got to thinking about, I have a dog. He's a big black Labrador. I named him Shaq. I could tell when he was little he was going to be, he had those big paws. I said, he's going to be a big black fella. I'm going to name him Shaq. <laughs> and so far, <laughs> so far he has definitely lived up to that name. Yeah, he, he, He's my boy. And you know what, man? Dogs have, if you have a dog, I'm sure you've experienced this. Dogs, they love to lick on you. 
for different reasons. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've gone down to give him some affection and he just surprised me. I got an open mouth and he licks me right in my mouth. I want to kick him so bad sometimes, but I can't do it. He's so cute. I love him. But he, sometimes he, he just wants to, 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 to kiss on me, lick on me, just to show me some affection. Sometimes he does it because he knows he's done something he shouldn't have done. And, you know, he's hoping to curry my favor, hoping I don't punish him or something and put him in his crate. But I got to thinking, sometimes he's just licking my hand. Sometimes he just likes the taste of us, you know? Especially when I finish eating and I've got the residue of some food in my hand and I'd like to think that he is just loving on me, but really he's just trying to get some of that taste. He has tasted and seen that my hand tastes good. <laughs> but I translated that to the spirit was where the scripture says, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. Sometimes, like that loyal, faithful puppy, that dog that loves me no matter what, just want to taste and see. Y'all see that? And many of us, if you've been, it doesn't matter how long your walk has been with the Lord, you have at some point tasted and seen that the Lord, he is good. What is worship? I wanted to add some of my own terms. To me, worship is fire. Worship is passion. Worship is desire. Worship is affection, love, and adoration. It is an insatiable and unquenchable demand of the heart to be in God's presence and to know him in a deeper, more intimate way. It can include music, and it can't. Doesn't matter. It's a heart attitude. It's a desire. It's a pursuit of him. Amen. You know, if Exodus chapter 20, it says, and God spoke all these words, starting at the first verse, I am the Lord, your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. I'm going to stop right there. 
For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. God doesn't want to share us. Worship, that tells me, worship requires total commitment. To truly worship God, you have to be all in. David discovered how to touch and, and, and reach and please the heart of God, and he was devoted to doing exactly that every day of his life. Yeah, I know he screwed up. I, he's done things I couldn't even imagine myself doing. So he wasn't perfect. You know, he wasn't a saint. I'm not commending him for that. But he had a heart after God's own heart. When he screwed up, he acknowledged it. When he screwed up, he owned it. When he screwed up, he so wanted, he he was so grieved that he grieved the heart of God that he wanted to do everything he can to turn away from that and get back in right standing with God. He wanted to please the heart of God. And when he offended him, he wasn't concerned about personal consequences as much as he was about Uh, making things right with God, pleasing him, reconciling with him. He was more concerned with the impact his actions had on the relationship with his God than it was about any personal consequence of his own. So why would God say, do not bow down or worship other gods? Why would he say, I'm a jealous God? Is he an egotist? Is he needy? What do you think? I would say it's not, it has nothing to do with him being an egotist. It has nothing to do with him being needy because the Bible says God doesn't need anything from us. He didn't ask worship of us for it to, uh, to benefit himself. But I'm looking at this from a relationship aspect, and here's what I've come up with. He isn't an egotist. He isn't needy. But here's what he is. He is all in. He's all in with you. He is fully committed to you and the relationship he has with you. Scripture is littered with verses that show the depth of the Lord's commitment to you and the worth he ascribes to you. Even John 3.16 says what? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's how valuable we are to him. Uh, Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Hebrews 13.5 reiterates uh, something that was said in Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, but it says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Never. 
And then it says in verse 6, so we say with confidence, we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Because my God, he's totally 100% irrevocably committed to me. This relationship means everything to him. Have you thought about it in that way? Since he is 100% committed to the relationship, doesn't it make sense that he would require the same level of commitment from us? That's what that relationship requires. You, you know, my wife, Christy, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but I'm almost chomping at the bit to say it, but many of you don't know, and many of you have never heard my testimony concerning my wife and I and how we got together. And this may surprise you to know that I was not the kind of guy at one time that many of you would want your daughters to meet. And I'm not saying that with any pride. You know, that's just, I'm just saying the reality of the situation was. Now, I lied to myself and, and, and convinced myself that I was different, but that's what exactly what it was, was a lie. When I gave my heart to the Lord, I gave him every aspect of my life except relationships. I had that. I knew what I wanted. I didn't, I didn't think I needed God for that. But God being God, he eventually, um, well, he was there for me when my way ended up being a dead end. There came a point where there were, where a relationship that I was in, it ended so badly that I, after about three years, and, and um, I was so broken, I was so down that I finally just said, you know what, I quit. I, I'm, not, I, I'm not doing this anymore. Every relationship I've had has led to me hurting someone or my being hurt. It's led to, it, none of those relationships honor God, and I ate the fruit, every bit of the bad fruit that came from that. And I, in my brokenness, I finally, I just, I just knelt before God, and I said, God, I said, I'm done. I said, uh, I obviously don't know what I'm doing. And the things I'm looking for, the things I think I need, um, uh, all the all the selfish, all the self-serving criteria I'm looking for in a woman, all that stuff has come to nothing. So I finally give up my way, Lord. And I, I know I've heard a teaching. I know that you have that special one out there for me. I know that you have that 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 one for me. And I said, Lord, all I ask you to do is to show, is, is, is to um, 
All I ask you to do, Lord, is to show me who she is, and I will pursue her. And God was faithful. One day, wasn't even thinking about it, I was in study hall. At Bennett Hall at OSU, studying my life, studying my heart, heart away. And all of a sudden, the Lord said, look up. He looked straight ahead, and I looked straight ahead. And there was Christy, also studying in study hall, directly underneath the light. It was like, oh. <laughs> She's oblivious to what's going on. You know, she had been, we had been introduced to each other, uh, but, you know, we, we, we had no leanings that way whatsoever. And God just said, she's the one. And I said, yes, Lord. And went about finishing my study. And but from that moment on, I began to pursue her. Couple months later, we were dating. Just shy of a year, uh, 10, 10 and a half months or so after that, we were engaged. About a year and so after that, we were married. And we still have a beautiful and wonderful marriage today, four beautiful daughters. It's the only relationship I've ever honored God with. We didn't. We didn't come together before marriage. During the two years that we were together before we got married, we honored God in that relationship, which was a miracle. <laughs> God is good. But we honored God in that relationship, and it is the only blessed, only wonderful relationship that I've ever had in my life. The one that I yielded to God. So if you're single out there, all right, and you're starting to feel the pressure a little bit, and you're wondering if that person is out there, he or she is for you. I'm, I'm hoping that my testimony encourages you that if you just yield it to God and give it to him and allow God to work it out in his time, that he will bless you. You will, you will be tremendously blessed and benefited from that. And on a side note, the only girl I ever brought home that my mom approved of was Christy. I stopped bringing them to her, as a matter of fact. <laughs> because not only did she not approve of them, she was not discreet in her, about her feelings. <laughs> and so I decided, you know what, it's just better to just spare everybody that experience and so but God gave me Christy so I felt pretty confident and uh hopeful and uh mom fell in love with her immediately and and uh, you know Christy's parents uh we've had such a wonderful relationship uh Christy's dad is has gone home to be with the Lord now but um everything we didn't have any of that in-law stuff none of that stuff everything was just so tremendously blessed. It, it, I, I cannot, I cannot say enough about, uh, uh, you know, aside from my salvation in the Lord, my wife is the greatest blessing the Lord has ever given me. Amen. So, 
But God is all in. You know, uh, referring back to that time, when I was in my previous relationships, before I decided to honor God in that way, you know, again, what I was looking for, everything had to meet my criteria. Everything had to be a certain standard. It was all about my satisfaction. It was all about what I wanted, what I felt like was best for me. And I was never all in with any of those relationships. Never committed. Because the motivation of my heart wasn't really tied to that person, but what that person could do for me. It's no wonder those relationships fell apart. They required something of me. For for a relationship to be lasting, for a relationship to be truly intimate, for a relationship to be truly amazing, it has to be, it requires that both parties be all in. But when God said, she's the one, that's my daughter, that's the one for you, all of a sudden, there was a heart change in me. I didn't see her like I saw all the other girls. I didn't just see her in a self-serving way. Does that make sense? All of a sudden, she was the one whom God blessed me with. This was a gift from God. This was precious. This is my soulmate. And I was able to change my behavior because my heart was in a different place toward her. Now, there's not to say that there wasn't a little turbulence along the way. There were definite changes that needed to be made, definite attitude adjustments that needed to be made, perspective that needed to be changed. And in some ways, Christy demanded some of those changes. But that's okay. You know, those were needful changes. I was willing to make those changes because I was all in. God is all in. I want to uh, 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 go to Romans 8, verses 31. There are a couple of verses in this passage that really stood out to me. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? A little on farther down, it says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I'm going to skip a couple of verses and say, then he says, 
Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Paul is declaring He's praising God. He's declaring he is all in with me. Nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. And we need to be all in with God that nothing, not circumstance, not feeling, not lust or desires, not temptations, nothing will separate us or separate us or our hearts from our loving God. I love that video that was played before the message and and, and to me as I was looking at it, I'm seeing everyone going about their daily lives and they're just they're worshiping. You know, they weren't waiting till they got to Sunday to turn, to flip the switch on. They were doing it in their daily lives. They were doing it at work. They were doing it at home. They were doing it scrubbing floors. You know, they were doing it while they're saving lives. Uh, where is uh, Chris? You know, they're doing it while they're tending the horses, while they're planting and do, you know, tending to their gardens and everything. It's just a continual praise, a continual heart of worship to the Lord. And so they are tending to that relationship on a daily basis. And you know what? There's just no other way. You, you just, you just can't get around it. There's no other way to be. Truly worshiping the Lord is a lifestyle. I didn't hear an amen. Think about this. Christy and I now, let me do the math, carry the one. We've been married 22 years. And I could tell you that there would be some major problems if she didn't see me all week. We didn't talk all week. We didn't hold hands, say I love you. You know, we didn't show our adoration for one another all week. If all she got from me was a couple of hours on Sunday once a week. First of all, I wouldn't be together 22 years later. Not only would that, not only would that be a problem, not only would that be a, a relationship devoid of, uh, of expression, of love and intimacy and so forth, you know, there's no, there'd be no life being breathed into that relationship. There's nothing that would be cultivated. There's nothing that would allow us to, to, to discover each other in a deeper and more intimate way. 
It, it, it requires that we commit to each other on a day-to-day-to-day basis. Life is going to come, come at us every day. Things are going to distract us or try to distract us. Temptation is going to come every day. My family and I watched a movie yesterday. It was called uh, A Vow to Cherish. And many of you, uh, some of you may have seen it though, but, 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 in this, but in this movie, you know, it really spoke very profoundly to all of us in different ways. But uh, uh, this man named John, I believe it was Brighton, you know, he's the main character. His wife is suddenly stricken with Alzheimer's. And it happens fast. She's way younger than the typical person is who's stricken with this disease, and I'll try to make it short. They had two kids that were older, and all of a sudden she doesn't recognize any of them. You know, she can't, she can't return affection. She can't return love. She can't, even, she can't even return the acknowledgement that she even knows who they are. He, and they used to do runs and, and stuff every morning as a couple. That was one of the things that they did. And, you know, and, and they just had a real loving, godly relationship. And all of a sudden, that was gone. You know, and it wrecked them. And all of a sudden, after some time, after months, temptation comes along. You know, a wonderful lady, um, a Cute lady comes along. She's she's running in in the mornings when he and his wife used to run. Uh, they end up chatting. They end up running together. They end up forming some kind of a heart bond there, because what he is missing, he's lonely. Because what he is missing from the wife, all of a sudden he's getting from her, and that 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 inevitable bond starts to develop, and they start having strong feelings for each other. And praise God. A friend of his uh, took him to um, a Billy Graham crusade, and Billy Graham said something that really spoke to his heart. And it basically what he said, you know, revolved around uh, serving, service. The vow that he had made, he realized that he was thinking about, he wasn't thinking about serving his wife. He was thinking about how this whole situation was affecting him and how much he missed the way things used to be. And he made himself vulnerable to the temptation that came along. But praise God, God dealt with his heart. He repented right there before anything major happened. And both of them expressed, him and the other lady expressed their feelings toward one another. But he let her go. Because he said he is married, he made a vow, he's going to cherish that vow, and in however many days he has left with his wife, he's going to be faithful and devoted to her, and he's going to serve her and love her to the best of his abilities. And what he did ended up ministering to his brother, who wasn't saved, and bringing his brother to the Lord. It's a wonderful, wonderful movie. I would recommend it. Uh, it's called A Vow to Cherish. And... And I was thinking about that in our, in our relationship to the Lord. Scripture says that we should love the Lord our God with all our, with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our mind and with all of our strength. All of it. 
I know we're talking about worship, and this is not maybe the typical way to go about that, but I think it's, I think it's important that we remind ourselves that it's more than just do's and don'ts. It's more than just commands. You know, it's more than just what is said here and what's said there, but there is a relationship aspect there that needs to be honored. There is a relationship. There, there is a real, a real relationship between us and our God. And when he's asking us, well, when he's commanding us, hey, look, don't you dare. Don't go worship any other gods. Don't bow down to them. All he's asking for is the same commitment in this relationship that he has. And I think we can give him that, can't we? Those of you who are married, if somebody of the opposite sex wanted to spend time alone with your significant other, how would that set with you? No, but they're a good person. What could happen? (laughs) I believe God knows that if our hearts aren't totally committed to him, you know, we got one foot in the door and one foot out. Now, unfortunately, that's become more and more typical of relationship commitments in this world today. We don't want to be committed. We don't want to be all in because we don't know how this thing will work. It's, look, everything is good right now, but a year from now, why, why complicate things with, 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 with marriage? Why complicate things with commitment. Anybody who's ever been in a relationship knows anytime, you know, well, I'll put it this way. Today, the term that's used is hooking up. Back in the day, they called it shacking up. Maybe at one time, they called it free love. Think about that. Isn't that stupid? And that that hooking up mentality, you know, means people are okay with just, you know what, I'll give you my body. We can have a good time, we can we can hook up, but that's it. No strings. We go about our business. Maybe we'll hook up again later, but you're free to hook up with other people if you want. No commitment. And we think that there is no harm in that. I'm not saying you when I say we, all right? I'm just saying that's the environment in which we live. That's the environment in which our kids are growing up. 
Okay. And so that standard of commitment is not being modeled in front of, in front of them. And so, so uh, hopefully except at, in the house. And so what we see in God's word is not being lifted up before them as an example for them to follow. And what happens when we live in that environment and, and, and we, uh, that's what we're exposed to all the time, it begins to affect our thinking. And it, and it vexes our hearts. And without even realizing it, we have that same mentality when it comes to God. All right, we're we're not all in. We're hooking up with him. Every once in a while, hey God, I really need something. I really need you to bless me, Lord. I need to hook up with God. And then we go about and do the rest of our week and we're not really worshiping him. We're not spending time cultivating that relationship with him. We're not adoring him. I know you're like, how the minister going to talk about hooking up in church? I don't know about you, but I don't just want to hook up with God. It means more to me than that. I want to answer his call to be all in with him. I want to be as all in with him as he is in with me. You know, I want to be a living example of uh, of that beautiful picture in the Bible that says we are his bride. All right? It's, it, it's, it, this thing is, is, is settled. It's sure. It's a covenant. We are, to, we are together. We are one. He is in us and we are in him. And by any means necessary, I refuse. I want us all to have that attitude that I refuse to allow the ways of the world to, to pry my heart, to tempt my heart away from the lover of my soul. I refuse to let my mind think in a carnal manner that's going to contradict what I know to be true in the word of God concerning him. I'm not going to let my mind lie to me about who he is and how he regards me. I'm not going to allow it to diminish my level of commitment for him, for, for him. I'm going to day by day declare the praises of him who called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. Kind of got all over the place this morning. Uh, I'll clean it up a little bit next week. But scripture tells us to offer unto the Lord the sacrifices of thanksgiving and praise. Those are verbal expressions acknowledging who he is and what he's done. But scripture doesn't say the same concerning worship. Worship goes deeper than verbal expression. 
And I've heard it said that we make ourselves the sa- we make ourselves the sacrifice during worship. The word of God says in Romans 12 verses 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. That's the New King James Version. In in the NIV it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. The word used here is latria. It's a Greek word, and it means to minister to or serve God out of an obedient heart of worship. And I'm almost done. I got a few more minutes. And, you know, we give thanks and praise every Sunday morning. But we don't always engage in genuine worship. And I'm not putting anyone down by saying that. Uh, it's a good thing when we come before the Lord and to be blessed by him. It is an even better thing to come before the Lord to minister to him. There is something so deep, so intimate, and so powerful that happens in that moment when we transition into the place of worship where we abandon all our cares, forsake all our desires and needs, and care only about ministering to and serving the Lord. When we arrive at that place where our hearts cry, our hearts demand is to meet him face to face And to gain a deeper, more intimate knowledge of him. It's worship. And that's what God is calling us to. A life of obedient worship. But a life of obedient worship begins with a day of obedient worship. I want to ask you to stand. And and I just pray that you heard the heart uh, of the message. I felt a bit scattered in the presentation of it, but God is good and I just trust that God is able to do what he wants to do regardless of the messenger. And I just want to give everyone the opportunity to do something with this word. And what I'm going to ask is, is going to be pretty specific, but I want to give you the opportunity to declare a daily commitment to worship the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That just like a husband who burns with desire towards his wife, that we would have that burning desire to want to know our God in a deeper, more intimate way. And in that soul area, 
where we're often tripped up, where our emotions get out of control and affect our ability to feel like giving God the glory and honor and worship that he deserves. That we will snatch a hold of our soul and we will, and we will bring it into submission. And we'll be like the psalmist that said, bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. That we will let no desire be greater than our desire for him. That we will let no emotion be exalted above him. That we will let no thought dishonor him. But we will love him with all that we are because he is truly worthy. Hallelujah. Repeat out to me. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come before you with a repentant heart. In any way that I have not loved you, in any way I've allowed my worship of you to be hindered. I repent, O oh God, and I commit this day and this moment to love you with all my heart, my soul, my mind, my strength, every day, and I commit to you To worship you every day, not just on Sunday, but every day, I will declare your praises. I will declare my love for you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we all say, Amen. Amen.